You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, it's Amy Newmark with three of my favorite episodes for you this Thanksgiving week. I know you'll be inspired and entertained by them, and I'll be back next week with more stories from our new books. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and I'm here today with Dr. Randy Nelson, who actually has an MBA and a medical degree. It's Friend Friday, and that's when I introduce you to an interesting person. Randy is one of our writers in our new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Step Outside Your Comfort Zone. And we're actually here together on the floor of the National Association of Broadcasters Convention in New York City. Randy lives in New York, so she was nice enough to come and join me here on the floor. And we're both stepping outside our comfort zones today, doing this interview here with people wandering around and looking at us, right? Right. It's a little bit strange. I, I think everybody can hear the crowd noise in the background. So, Randy, welcome so much to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you for having me. It's really great being here. And thanks for joining the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. I know this is our first story from you that we've published, and I hope we'll see many more from you. Absolutely. I'm sure you have a lot of great stories from being a pediatrician. (laughs) So, Randy is actually a pediatrician who was a former investment banking accountant. So, last Friday, I talked to Wendy Walker, and she was the child of firstborn Americans, Mm -hmm. and you're the child of immigrants, and that creates a certain set of expectations in many families. Okay. So uh, my parents are um, Jamaican, the island of Jamaica, and I'm a first-generation American. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, many years ago. (laughs) And, you know, they're just typical, you know, like West Indian parents, you know, had high expectation of my brother and myself. Um... You know, we were expected to go to college, do well in school, work hard. They instilled um, very strong um, work ethics in both of us. And um, so, you know, I guess we're just like our parents' dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so what did you do first? How did you first fulfill your parents' dream? Well, I tried, you know, I attempted to do well in school. And when I was in high school, thinking about college, um, you know, I had a desire to be a doctor. I, you know, I did well enough in school, but I didn't have the confidence. Um, there weren't many um, African-American doctors, I guess, in my circle. You know, it just seemed so far-fetched. It just didn't seem like a goal that I could um, attain. So I decided to do business, and I went to uh, the University of Buffalo, upstate, and I majored in accounting, and I you know, received my degree and started working on Wall Street. So you were a huge success. What caused you to stop working in your successful job on Wall Street using your accounting degree and all of that? Well, after 14 years, during that time period, I received the MBA from Hostra. You know, I tried to do everything that I needed to do to become a successful accountant. But, 
in 2000, my father passed away. So that kind of changes your perspective on, you know, I guess life. You know, at that point, I'm 30. I'm kind of really thinking about my future. I've always been ambitious. I've always, you know, wanted to do well in this, you know, in my career. Um, I also like to have fun, but, you know, my career, my life's purpose was very important to me. So my father died in 2000, changed my perspective a little, you know, somewhat. But then September 11th, 9-11 occurred, and um, that really took me for a loop. I mean, now, we did still, you work down near the World Trade Center? I worked for Citigroup. I worked really just three or four blocks from the Trade Center. So I witnessed everything and, you know, ran for my life while the buildings were tumbling and, um, you know, just the whole confusion of that day. And, you know, a couple of weeks later when I returned to work, you know, seeing the destruction and, again, another life-changing, altering um, event that made me rethink about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. You know, we used to work hard in investment banking. I, you know, work on holidays, work weekends, work to 1 o'clock in the morning. So I used to say, hey, if I'm going to do put this time in, especially away from my family and my friends, let it be for something I felt that was worth it. Mm-hmm. So um, I revisited my dream to become a doctor and... That's incredible. After all those years and being successful on Wall Street and getting your MBA, so then did you have to go back and take pre-med classes? I did. I had to um, take prerequisites. There were a couple of, um, like there were eight required courses that I had to take. So I took those while I was working as a vice president at Citigroup. (laughs) But somehow I managed to do it and get like A's. And um, I had to sit for the MCAT, which is oh, the yeah. interest exam, and interviewed, and I landed at Stony Brook uh, Medical University. Congratulations. Thank I mean, you. I know my daughter went to med school. Right, I watched her take yes. the MCATs. Yes. You know, I so watched you know. the whole thing. So oh, my know. gosh, I know. And it's perilous. Yes. You could prepare and prepare and prepare, and you could not get into right. med school, or you could not match into residency. Right. So exactly. you're taking a big risk when, you, a huge when risk. you go down that path. A huge so then you got into med school. Did you quit your job on Wall Street? Well, you had to quit your job, I had right? To quit. And go to med school full time. Yes, I had to quit because I had to attend uh, medical school full time. So I saved and got my business in order, and I started August 2005. Wow. And then where did you do your residency after med school? I did my residency at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. I was oh, boy, that's a tough place to be. <laughs> wow. Well, I really wanted to learn bread and butter, pediatrics. Um, I knew the population that I wanted to serve, um, and I just wanted to make sure I was an expert and be able to serve, you know, my patients right. the best way. So that's why, you know, I chose that residency. And now you're a pediatrician yes. in Brooklyn yes. serving an at-risk yes. population. Underserved, yes. Very underserved. Shelter, underserved. Ho- homeless, like families, children of homeless families and shelter families. Wow. That is really something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really is. I love, I love it. <laughs> it's hard, but I really love what I do, and I do not regret making um, that switch so many years ago. I'm thinking about, I was on the street a couple of months ago in Manhattan, and this woman came up to me. And she, was, she had two babies with her. I smiled at her. I smiled at her kids. Mm-hmm. She smiled back at me. And then she asked me for money. Uh-huh. And, I was, and she said she was in a shelter. And I was so shocked. I didn't know what to do. And then she disappeared. And then I felt horrible mm-hmm. because I, 
was on my way to Starbucks, and I, I went back outside, and I, I looked for her everywhere because I was going to take her to Starbucks and Get buy her and right. her kids yes. some food and coffee and everything, right. and I felt horrible that I hadn't done anything for this poor mother. And it's one of the things we address in our book, Step Outside Your Comfort Zone, which is when you have those inclinations, those impulses to help somebody, don't stop. Just do, do it. it. Do it immediately. Yes. Nobody's ever going to be mad yes. at you for doing it. I still feel horrible about right. not having helped this lady. And I'm sure you see patients like her children all the time. Yeah, I mean, my goal as a pediatrician, I, you know, I believe that everyone deserves great medical care. I agree I, with I, you. I don't care if you are children of a CEO or you're a child of, if you live in a shelter, you deserve the best. So I really try to serve them at the best of my ability to top, you know, just do right by them because that's what they deserve. Wow, it must be so hard for those mothers just to get their children to you. I mean, everything is so difficult when you don't have any money, you don't have any transportation, you don't have any child care, you're dragging your kids around with you. I mean, just to take your child to the doctor is a major undertaking yeah. for these people. Yeah, it's um, the population I serve is different from, say, like a middle-class family that has a car that can take their um, children to the doctor as scheduled, they, there is a lot of socioeconomic barriers that we have to overcome. I, I work for a great organization that assists in helping our patients, you know, come, you know, get to our clinic. We try. We try. We try I know you work for Bright Point Health. Mm -hmm. And then do you ever go to the shelters or to to the at-risk people and, and treat them where they are? No. Not, no? They, they have to come to they you. Come, they come to our clinic, yeah. Wow. Well, you must go home every day feeling very fulfilled, but also I guess you're carrying around a lot of trouble. How do you separate your patients' troubles from your life so that you can go home and, and be happy and not be carrying their burdens along with you each night? Well, I'm very good at compartmentalizing. <laughs> I'm not that I'm cold and I just shut off. That's new. I, I think about my patients all the time. But you have to have a healthy set of boundaries so that you can you know, live your life have your fun, not feel guilty. You know, what I love, one of the one things that I really do love about my job and, you know, the role that I play in is that, you know, I'm from the same neighborhood that I work in. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I tell my patients that I'm like, look, I'm from Brooklyn. I grew up in Crown Heights and I'm just like you. You know, I may not have lived in a shelter, I've been homeless, but, you know, I'm just like you. And, and you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. You're a great role model for all those <laughs> kids, especially those little girls. Right. Exactly. And I did have, I have one patient who, you know, after our discussion, started college last week, last month. So, oh, that's um, great. Yeah, that's, that's the great, that's the best thing. And how do we get the doctors to go back to the, to the underserved neighborhoods? I mean, is that a problem where doctors who come from underserved neighborhoods might say, well, I think I'm going to go practice on Park Avenue now or something? I mean, there's a lot going on in medicine right now. You know, it's very expensive. Um, to obtain a medical degree, you know, if you if you just do a straight numbers thing, like primary care physicians like myself, in terms of the salaries we receive, we're like kind of at the bottom of the right. barrel. Right, I know. I mean, I we're know. still doing well. I'm not gonna, you know, we're still doing well. But in terms of the loans that we have, you know, some people have loans up in, up to about two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and if you have a salary that's not like yeah. in that range, it's kind of hard. And to, residents only it, make like. $50,000 right, exactly, a year after exactly. they get out of medical school and then right. 
they're making $50,000 a year right. for at least four years, if, if not longer. Now, I know in family medicine, they're trying to shorten, they're trying to shorten med school, I think. I think my daughter's med school, Brown, instituted a new program where it's, you can go for three years and get your oh, okay. MD for family medicine. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I'm not so aware that of that. So at least that's one yes. less year yes. of loans. Right. Right. So that's, you know, that's a driving force for a lot of, you know, doctors. You just have to sometimes think that way. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the thought that um, do what you love and the money will follow. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the premise that I'm going by. So what advice would you give to our listeners who are a little afraid to do something but kind of feel they should do something? How would you get somebody to step outside his or her comfort zone and do that thing that he or she is thinking about? You know, this sounds cliche and it sounds boring, but you really have to believe in yourself. And you just have to believe that everything is going to work out for the best. Like, you have to, you have to believe. If you don't believe that, it's going to be hard. Trust me, medical school was difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It was extremely difficult. It was not easy at all. I shed a lot of tears. Um, Pulled out my hair plenty of times. It wasn't easy. Residency wasn't easy. So, but you have to, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I saw myself practicing. I saw myself practicing, uh, you know, serving the patients that I wanted to serve, and it's happening. So you got to have that, you know, faith. That you vision. Have to believe, you have you to have, have to the see the end. Yes. And say, okay, I am doing all of this because I already see myself doing the thing I want to do yes. at the end. Absolutely. You have, you have to... Um, do that and, and keep the naysayers kind of, um, you know, I didn't tell too many people initially what I was going to do. Because oh, it just like so Wendy crazy. Walker yes. in the interview yes, last exactly. week. Right, you kept it yes. quiet for a while. Yes, you kept it quiet because, you know, even when I did say something, I got the, oh, are you crazy? You know, I was a vice president at Citigroup when I left. So that why is, you that is kind of crazy. But I'm sure your father <laughs> would be very proud if he could see yes, you now. Exactly. Well, Randy, I want to thank you for joining us today. This was great. Uh, thank you and, for having uh, me. I apologize to any investment banking house that is losing an employee <laughs> as a result of listening to this interview. <laughs> but I want to thank everybody for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. And uh, please go to our website and check out this new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Step Outside Your Comfort Zone. Uh, go to chickensoup.com, click on podcasts, and you'll see the book. And it's actually on sale now. Everywhere that books are sold, including Barnes & Noble, which we love because they host so many book signings for us, Books of Million, your local independent bookstore, Chapters Indigo Stores and Costco in Canada, all over the continent, Walmart, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, Amazon, and wherever else books are sold. Come back Monday for more inspiration and some great tips for how to put more responsibility on the shoulders of your children and grandchildren literally, with a clothing budget. It worked for me, even when my kids were in middle school, and it will work for you.